a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Side sources. Inside sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you today. As always, there's a lot of ground to cover in the fastest 60 minutes of radio. And we're going to try to slow it down a little bit today and really dissect a few of the things that are going on. As always, we're trying to separate the rage from the reason and make sure you have the right information in the right way so you can figure out what works best for you and how you can make a difference in your house, in your neighborhood, in your community. Uh, We're continuing to monitor very closely today uh, what is happening in Washington, D.C., a a fascinating weekend of uh, votes and no no votes and negotiations and uh, back and forth in the process. Uh, Several more senators uh, have been pushed to the sideline, including uh, both of Utah's senators, Senator Mike Lee, the senior senator, and junior senator Mitt Romney, uh, who was on just a little bit ago with uh, Dave and Debbie, and uh, Rand Paul, uh, of course, a senator from Kentucky, was tested positive over the weekend uh, for the coronavirus. And uh, you also have a couple of other Republican senators that are currently on the sidelines. Uh, senator Cory Gardner from Colorado Senator Rick Scott from Florida also on the side. So the Republicans are down five at the moment. Uh, You also had on the vote uh, over the weekend, uh, Bernie Sanders did not come back to town, so he was not there. So six senators did not vote. So it was a 47-47 tie. Uh, And we're going to break this down in a couple of different ways as we go through the day today. Uh, Part of me is just furious with this whole process because if, if we cannot get our government at a moment like this, to come together, to set the politics aside, uh, then then we've, we've got bigger issues. And uh, we do have some bigger issues because, sadly, the uh, all of the politics has become worse, not better. <laughs> this is not putting country first. Uh, this is putting politics first. Uh, and so you saw the negotiations over the weekend. Again, we're looking at a what started, what started as about a $800 billion package, that went to a trillion dollars uh, and current negotiations have it at about one point eight trillion dollars. And an interesting thing happened uh, in the in the United States Senate. It it requires 60 votes to move a piece of legislation to the floor uh, to actually take action on it. The cloture votes, what they call that. Uh, we're going to have uh, my good friend James Walner, uh, the sage of the Senate, is going to join us in our next segment and break down how this is happening and, and how the Democrats suddenly realized They have all the leverage because Senator McConnell refused to do anything around uh, remote voting in extreme situations like this. Uh, Bipartisan proposals were brought forward to let the senators vote remotely uh, in this kind of situation for a brief period of time. Uh, So we'll we'll break all of that down. Uh, And then again, both sides. I'm going to be an equal opportunity offender today, and I'm offended (laughs) by our members of Congress 
who refused to do the right thing for the people. Uh, when the when the Democrats realized they had more leverage, they started stuffing more stuff into this bill. Uh, just moments ago, uh, Leader Mitch McConnell took to the floor of the Senate. They were supposed to have a vote already. It's been uh, pushed back. It was supposed to happen early this morning uh, before the markets opened. That was pushed back. It was supposed to happen at 10 o'clock. That's been pushed back. Uh, so there's still uh, debate and uh, arguments and negotiations going on back and forth. Uh, but but this is what uh, Leader McConnell started with when he took to the floor of the United States Senate to talk about what the Democrats were now demanding be included uh, in this bill. Tax credits for solar energy and wind energy, provisions to force employers to give special new treatment to big labor, and listen to this, new emission standards for the airlines. So Senator McConnell is saying, look, there's no reason for the Democrats to jam into a $1.8 trillion stimulus package for the American people, for the American economy. Do we really have to have to hold this thing up because we're not going to get extra credits for solar panels? Do we really have to make sure that uh, the carbon footprint of the airlines is reduced in this particular package? Uh, the reality is, is the airlines have reduced their carbon footprint because nobody's flying. Uh, it's a whole different thing. So Senator McConnell went, went on. Uh, he talked about hospitals and that Democrats needed to explain to hospitals. Democrats won't let us fund hospitals or save small businesses unless they get to dust off the Green New Deal. I'd like to see Demo- Senate Democrats tell New York City doctors and nurses who are literally overrun as we speak, that they're filibustering hospital funding and more masks because they want to argue with the airlines over their carbon footprint. Okay. Again, that's uh, Mitch McConnell from the, the floor of the Senate. Uh, and, and it's back and forth. And, and those of you who listen to this show regularly know I'm, I'm an equal opportunity offender on this one. Uh, <clears throat> it was not that long ago I was calling out Senator McConnell for sneaking into uh, one of those must-pass bills, uh, several million dollars for Kentucky sipping whiskey that needed a little subsidy. Uh, and so, sadly, this is the state of affairs in our nation's capital. And at a time when the American people should be looking and seeing from Washington the right kind of behavior being modeled, uh, we're seeing anything but that. And to me, that's the, that's the real problem with all of this. And again, a lot of this uh, is is squarely at the foot uh, of Mitch McConnell. Uh, he had opportunities to move things through. Uh, he could have addressed everything from remote voting in you know tragic situations or or uh, real emergency situations, uh, and he didn't. Why? Because he wants to have that power. He wants to have that lever of control, and so he he didn't do it. Uh, again, we're going to break that down in our next segment with James Walner, the uh, the sage of the United States Senate. He'll tell us how that could happen uh, and what that would actually mean and, and how they could actually get that passed. Uh, but now everything is much more complicated in the United States Senate with uh, six senators not in Washington, D.C. The ability to get to 60 votes on any proposal uh, is very, very difficult. Uh, we also had... Uh, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, flew back to Washington from San Francisco, and she has her own proposal now. Now, think about this. 
in order for her to get a proposal, a new proposal voted and sent to the Senate, 450 members of Congress, uh, minus Ben McAdams and a couple of others that have tested positive, uh, are going to have to fly back to our nation's capital. And so, again, the problem is, are, are we focusing on the right thing? Can we just say, let's deal with this portion of the program today? We can have the other by, the other battles, the political fights, all of those. We can save those for another day. Today, we don't need them. Uh, today, we need to look out for the best interest of the American people. We need to look out for the best interest of the country. Uh, and that's a really critical part of the program there. And so we're going to break all of that down. We're also going to talk a little bit today about... Uh, what you can do is you're working from home, as you're home with your kids, or you're home trying to deal with how do you work effectively at home. Uh, we're going to break that down a little bit and give you some strategies for that, and then we'll round out our show today uh, talking about the cause for confidence and why we should still have that and why America's days, even in the midst of all this uncertainty, are still ahead of us. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Stay with us right here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources on a Monday. Hope you're doing well out there, surviving whatever version of isolation you are today. And, uh, again, advise everyone to uh, comply and do those things that we need to do to see if we can't flatten the curve here a little bit uh, on the spread of the virus. And, uh, above all, making sure that, in in addition, uh, as, as Mayor Mendenhall had said, uh, not only about social distance but social grace, uh, that showing that kindness, looking out for each other is a, a big part of who we are in this state. Uh, stay with us throughout the hour. Uh, we've got James Walner joining us now. And uh, at 11.35, uh, Senator Mike Lee will join us. Uh, he is in isolation now, back in the state of Utah. Uh, so we will talk to him coming up at 11.35, get his perspective on everything that uh, is taking place. But uh, for now, we, we were talking before the break. We were talking about the many shenanigans going on in, in Washington at the moment. The Democrats realize they now have some leverage uh, and have thrown in everything from solar panels to carbon footprint uh, things into this uh, stimulus package that has ballooned now. I think we're I think we're holding at one point eight trillion uh, on its way up. I think it'll get a little larger before we're done. Uh, but I wanted to bring our good friend James Walner. The I just call him the sage of the Senate. He is the ultimate inside source. James, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> so I wanted to hit a couple things. Uh, obviously, you know, people are following along, saying, "Why can't the Senate just?" Uh, get this thing done. And it's this little number of 60. <laughs> Just describe to our listeners, why is that number 60 so critical in the Senate? In 
the Senate, you can't end debate on questions, on bills, on motions, unless you have uh, 60 senators who vote to do so. And right now, just like your listeners sitting at home around their kitchen table trying to prioritize what they want to debate about, what they want to spend money on, what they want to cook for dinner, they're trying to move to proceed, which is to begin debate on a bill that they would then you know, have a debate on this stimulus bill, and, and they need 60 to do so. And, and right now, they don't have it. Yeah, it's such an, an interesting thing. And, uh, of course, now you've got uh, – currently you've got six members of the Senate who are not in Washington, D.C., the five Republicans. And uh, I don't know if Bernie Sanders has made it back or moved back to D.C. yet or not. Uh, over the weekend, it was a 47-47 vote. Uh, but I want to talk about one component of this because a lot of people are saying, you know, why is it that in the Senate in t- with today's technology that you cannot vote remotely <laughs> in a crisis situation? So, James, tell us what – I know there's been a lot of proposals out there, uh, even some bipartisan proposals out there. Uh, but tell us where we are and what would it take in the Senate to actually change that rule? Well, the Senate's rules don't allow senators to vote remotely currently. The Constitution does give senators the power to change their rules when they want. It's unclear. I don't think the Constitution allows for remote voting because it also requires a majority of its members to to do business, and it requires that they assemble in the same place, and and remote voting uh, would not do that. But one thing that I would really uh, underscore for your listeners is to is to Think about what happens prior to the vote, because that's what what is really important in Congress and in the lawmaking process. Congress isn't a factory, and its job is not necessarily to assemble something, some bill that's been decided and written elsewhere. And your representatives and your senators aren't there to give a rubber stamp um, to that end product. It really comes down to who gets to set the agenda, what are you going to decide, what are you going to vote on, and those things are all complicated and and made even more dysfunctional, I think, by remote voting than not. Yeah, definitely definitely is a challenge, and uh, I think even back to the uh, Constitutional Convention, you at least had to be in the city, right? You had to have two two representatives in the city in order to cast a vote. That's right. I mean, they wouldn't even have had an agreement had they not gotten all together and decided instead to to have that uh, process done via written communication. When Philadelphia was the house, the capital in 1793, there was a yellow fever outbreak that year. It was very, very bad. Fifty thousand residents at that time, approximately over 20,000 of them fled. uh, Almost 5,000, 10 percent of the population perished. They died in this outbreak. Uh, James Madison's wife, um, her first husband, died in this outbreak. And in the middle of the outbreak, Congress was facing this question, where do we go? Uh, You know, we need to come back into session. What do we do? And Washington writes Madison and says, do I have the authority under the Constitution to convene them in another location. And Madison says, no, Congress has to convene and then it can decide where it wants to go. But ultimately, they have to all come together to do so. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and so even in a uh, in a circumstance like we're, we're in now, uh, clearly a, uh, an extraordinary situation, uh, what do you think the one, is it right and appropriate? Uh, two, is it possible uh, to say, hey, for the next 15 days, uh, we're going to allow those who, uh, who are self-isolating because of this virus to uh, to cast their vote remotely. What would that take? 
So you could do it by unanimous consent. You could uh, you could have a rules change. A simple majority could approve it. Uh, you could also just have those who aren't there, uh, who are self-quarantining, not vote. I mean, you see this in the 19th century and in the 20th century. There's plenty of times where you see that there's only 60 members present or 70 members present. It's, it's, it's not until modern era when all 100 senators are present at all times. And so what I would really encourage everyone is we obviously want people to be healthy and we want them to be safe. And we care very deeply about the men and women who serve there in both parties. I think that's critical. But the question is, in, in, are we undermining the institution more broadly by taking steps to protect one or two people who we could probably protect by them just self-quarantining and then practicing good social distancing protocols when they are cleared and they can go back to work in the Senate. Because the Senate is an absolutely essential institution for us to have. And something happens when you all get in the same room and you come face to face with each other and you have to recognize their humanity. And I think we need more of that kind of stuff in our politics today, not less. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's true. I, I think we have a uh, a lot of folks in the state of Utah saying, "But wait a minute, we don't we don't have representation at the moment. <laughs> we 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 want our we want our voice heard." Although uh, we have Senator Lee, Senator Lee's going to join us here in about ten minutes here on KSL News Radio, and uh, he has uh, said that he is going to continue to weigh in and work the phones and the texts and and video chats and so on to to continue to try to influence this uh, this process. Uh, so I think that's a, a critical part of it. Uh, I want to spend our last couple of minutes. If you're just joining us, we've got James Walner uh, dialing in uh, actually from South Carolina. You're in your own kind of isolation out there today. Uh, but James is is the sage of the Senate. And so I want to talk through just for a minute. Uh, uh, just moments ago, you had uh, Senator McConnell just uh, deliver uh, one of his more blistering uh, attacks on the Democrats from the floor of the Senate uh, looking at all of the things that are now being shoved into this now $1.8 trillion uh, uh, spending package. Uh, what's your take in terms of the process there? What should we be watching for in the in the coming hours of these, as these negotiations wear on? Well, you're going to see an outcome one way or the other. It's important to keep that in mind, especially for everyone at home who is listening and who's nervous and worried about what's to come. I, I would just reassure everybody that this isn't dysfunction. This is what it looks like when people who disagree debate with one another. And I think we need to see more of this kind of thing on the floor of the Senate. And, and hopefully the, the, the outcomes that you agree with, the policies that you agree with, ultimately prevail in the end. But for that to even have a chance to happen, you have to have a process and a debate to play out. And that's certainly what we're seeing. I remember... Many years ago, when McConnell was the minority leader and Harry Reid was the majority leader, and Harry Reid was saying things almost verbatim that McConnell said today, we don't have enough time. We have to hurry up. You're acting unreasonably. You need to do this. You need to do that. You can't offer these amendments. And now, interestingly, McConnell seems to be uh, using that same language in an effort to try to delegitimize the position that the Democrats are taking. And that may not be a good position. I'm not speaking to their position. What I'm saying is... There, you have to let them use the leverage they have to try to influence the process and then try to beat them in an argument, in an old-fashioned debate, the best way you can in appealing to their constituents. And if we do that, then all of a sudden the Congress can work, and it'll be a lot more healthier an institution, if so. Yeah, I think that's uh, so important. Very well said, James Walner. I, I wish they would just open up the floor for the debate, for amendments. Uh, we don't have to rush through anything. We can get this done, done right. 
America is always at its best when we have open, even roiling debate, uh, because that's the way we work the process and the system uh, that ultimately will secure the country. James, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll have you back uh, real soon. Thanks for having me. All right. Again, that's James Walner uh, joining us today. I always appreciate his insight on the workings of the Senate. We're going to go ahead and take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Senator Mike Lee, uh, the senior senator from the state of Utah. Get his take on where things are, what comes next. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News, and we're going to keep plowing right ahead. Very pleased to be joined on the line now by Utah's senior senator, Mike Lee. Senator, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks so much, Boyd. Good to be with you as always. <laughs> we're we're hoping you are safe and symptom free is uh, is the goal today. And uh, again, we appreciate you joining us. We know it's been a uh, just a crazy uh, seventy two hours from Washington to here, and I uh, just wanted to get your take on uh, kind of how the weekend played out. Well, it's been a strange weekend. Yes, thanks for asking. I'm safe. I'm symptom free. And uh, it's it's been a, a really crazy ride. Um, I, I have no symptoms whatsoever, but I, I had a little bit of an alarming moment yesterday. I was in Washington with my colleagues. Uh, and we, we were in a meeting uh, just a couple of hours before we expected to be taking some votes. And all of a sudden, the majority leader came out and announced that Rand Paul had just notified him that he had tested positive for the coronavirus. Mm. And so... Uh, as you might imagine, uh, that led to a lot of people asking a lot of questions. Funny thing was, nobody knew what to do, and so um, he tried to steer the direction back onto the bill. But as you might imagine, it, it turned out a little bit differently than that. It, it, it reminded me of that scene in the movie Toy Story, where Woody is doing a daily briefing with the other toys, and then he mentions casually at, at the end of a long series of thoughts, oh, and by the way, Andy's birthday is being moved until tomorrow when all the toys freak out and he tries to move on. It doesn't work. That's a little how it played out yesterday. I, I know you had uh, moved the uh, the Senate usually meets in the in the Manfield uh, room, Mansfield room there uh, on the Republican side. I know you went to kind of expanded room, maybe in the Kennedy room. Uh, I, I wondered as, as you social distanced, uh, I wonder if everyone was able to hear properly. So it may have been that Toy Story scenario after all. Yeah, no, that's actually right. Um, uh, we we have been moving rooms all week, as as you uh, mentioned. Most of the time, the Senate Republican Conference meets every day in the Mansfield Room, which is inside the Capitol, just across the street, uh, just across the hall, rather, from the Senate Chamber. This week, in order to practice social distancing, uh, they've moved us to other rooms, sometimes the Kennedy Caucus Room and the Russell Building. Yesterday we were in uh, uh, room 106 of the Dirksen Building, which is a, a big hearing room. Um, the acoustics in some of these rooms are terrible, and we haven't always been able to hear each other. Um, by yesterday, we were in a room with decent acoustics, and people were accustomed to speaking more loudly. But it, it, it still left a lot of people scratching their heads. Yeah, well, let's let's get into the uh, to kind of the specifics of uh, what is in front of the Senate right now. Uh, it seems like it uh, the number 
uh, on the stimulus package seems to be going up by the hour. We're up to $1.8 trillion at last count. Uh, uh, I often uh, disagree with the majority leader, but I think uh, his rather blistering attack on some of the things that are being inserted in to the bill as part of the current negotiations uh, solar panel, you know, giveaways and uh, carbon footprint uh, measuring and all of those kinds of things. Uh, is this the time to be having this kind of debate uh, on the floor of the Senate? No, no, it, it isn't. Look, this isn't the time to play partisan politics. This really is a time to figure out how best the Congress can enact something that can help keep the economy moving, help uh, 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 American employees, uh, workers, um, continue to get paid while we go through a, a few weeks, um, hopefully not much more than that, of some real trauma. And uh, th- that's what we have to be focusing on, to try to work in core political disputes. The latest rumor I'm hearing from one of my colleagues in Washington is that they are now talking seriously uh, about inserting language through the House of Representatives, through Speaker Pelosi, that would adopt national standards calling for national automatic mandatory uh, automatic voter registration. Uh, there are a bunch of things wrong with putting that in a bill that Congress is considering to deal with the coronavirus, not the least of which is the fact that voter registration is a state issue. It is not a federal issue. And to, to wrap this into this right now really is um, is inexcusable, and I hope those partisan antics will end soon. Yeah, it just seems like uh, that uh, that part of it is just uh, beyond the, the pale for me today. Uh, we are watching some of your uh, colleagues cast votes on the floor of the Senate right now, and uh, looks like we're continuing to see how things are, are shifting along there. Uh, obviously, the, the overall cost of of this package uh is another area we've had a number of our textures of uh weighed in already saying wait a minute if we're going to add another two trillion or so so to the national debt uh is you know what's this going to do to the economy in the long run uh how are we supposed to navigate that in a an extraordinary circumstance like this look it's really hard uh what i can tell you is that there is pretty widespread bipartisan acceptance of the fact that we're going to have to bite the bullet here, and we're going to have to spend more than we would usually spend in order to keep the economy moving, in order to preserve liquidity in the marketplace so that people can continue to get paid and continue to feed their families while everybody has been asked to uh, you know, uh, engage in varying degrees of social isolation. This is wreaking havoc on the economy. We don't want people to starve as a result, and we also don't want employers to go out of business and have to have to fire all their workers that would be catastrophic in and of itself and be make it much make it much harder for things to get back to normal once the immediate wave of things passes and so look i'm not sure what the appropriate number is but i think it's important uh, for us to keep it as simple as possible and and simple in the sense that it needs to be focused on helping the worker not help big corporate interests right now. Let's make sure that we open up liquidity. We make sure that people have access uh, to credit and make sure that employers don't have to fire all their workers. If we can do those things, we'll be in good shape. Yeah. If you're just joining us, we've got Utah Senior Senator Mike Lee on the line with us in isolation. Uh, I've always wanted to say, are you in a secure, undisclosed location? But I won't ask you that question today. Uh, 
So one of the things I wanted to just touch with you on briefly uh, is just this idea of in an extraordinary circumstance like this, uh, is it wise or would it be wise uh, to have the system change or the rules changed in the Senate so that remote voting uh, could take place in an extraordinary circumstance like this? I believe that it makes sense for us to adopt such a change, particularly in a circumstance like this where you're going to have, uh, in the coming days, mark my words, there will be more people who uh, are either diagnosed or uh, have been uh, exposed to someone who has in turn been diagnosed with the virus. And when that happens, each time that happens, there's a ripple effect within the Senate. And the same will be true in the House of Representatives also. There needs to be a mechanism to allow people to vote on an emergency basis under unusual circumstances. Uh, I'm not sure what the appropriate guardrails might consist of. I've, I've imagined a, a, a different sets of rules that would allow you to do it. In seeing this coming over the last month or so, uh, I have advised my colleagues many times that I think we ought to adopt such a rule. The Senate, is, as an institution, is sort of resistant to changes like this, but we're all very concerned about it. You know, it became public in the last few hours that... Um, one of my colleagues, uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, Democratic senator from Minnesota, who is a dear friend, um, is dealing with the fact that her husband is sick and, and uh, she's got to take care of him. Uh, I, I talked to one of the first phone calls I got after I was sent into isolation last night was from my friend and colleague, Bernie Sanders. Now, mm. Bernie and I disagree on a lot of issues, but there are other issues where we do agree. And... Um, he and I and, and others have talked about the fact that there's got to be some way for the Senate to continue to be able to operate, even when its members are not all able to be there uh, because of some national disaster. Uh, I think that's a, uh, a great thing, and hopefully that will be uh, debated and discussed in the in the days ahead. Uh, really important stuff. And, and I appreciate your, your highlighting the fact that you do have great relationships with a lot of your colleagues on the other side of the aisle. Uh, I think it's easy for us to to forget that in moments like this, that uh, there are good women and good men uh, in the United States Senate and in Congress and in the White House uh, that are all trying to do their best to, to get some things done. And as long as we can get the uh, uh, the over-politicization of some of these things, uh, like solar panels today, and get to the, the heart of the bill, I think we can get something done for the American people. Indeed. Indeed. That's my hope and my expectation. I was just texting with Senator Klobuchar a minute ago, sending her my thoughts and, and prayers. Um, uh, she and I have a long-standing practice of communicating by emoji. Uh, <laughs> I used mostly words in this one, but I sent her the, uh, uh, the, the, the prayer emoji as well. And um, uh, her husband's a good man, and I, I hope that she and he can weather this well and get back to full health soon. All right. Senator Mike Lee, thanks so much for joining us on Insight Sources today. Wish you the best. Stay well, symptom-free, and uh, we'll look forward to getting you. you back into the Senate as, as uh, soon as possible. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, boy. All right. Again, that's Utah Senator Mike Lee joining us uh, from isolation today. And uh, we'll continue to monitor all of that and uh, what is happening in the United States Senate right now on a stimulus package to help the economy. And uh, stay tuned here on KSL Radio for much, much more. We'll step aside for a final break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about why there is a cause for confidence today, despite all the challenges. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. 
Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. It is great to be with you. Uh, if you'd missed our last segment, we had uh, Utah Senior Senator Mike Lee on the line with us, uh, talking about his self-isolation. Uh, Debbie and Dave had uh, Senator Mitt Romney on a little earlier this morning. And if you missed any of those, you can always pick those up on uh, the podcast. You can do that on the KSL News Radio app uh, by our friends at Any Hour Services or on the website there. You can pick up the, those uh, podcasts, really important. And as always, we want to know what's going on in uh, your world today. And you can always do that on the uh, Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line 57500 and 57500 Utah Community Credit Union text line only when it's safe uh, because we do want to hear uh, what you're thinking about, what's going on, your perception and how you're coping with the uncertainty and the challenges that we have in the country today. And I want to finish out uh, our program today, <clears throat> excuse me, as we uh, marched our way through the weekend. A lot of uncertainty. Uh, obviously, the number of cases is rising as testing continues to uh, to go up. We're going to see those numbers move up. Uh, the The deaths are also going up. Four hundred eighty five total uh, deaths related to the coronavirus and all kinds of other uh, challenges and changes going on. We saw a large number of missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints return yesterday. They'll go into their own. Uh, 14-day isolation, quarantine, and uh, some of those will be uh, reassigned to other missions in the United States and Canada, and others will uh, round out depending on their length of service and a host of other circumstances. And so there is a, a lot of uncertainty, and it's it's an interesting thing to watch. I, I think one of the challenges that we all have to fight against uh, today and in the coming days uh, is our confidence, and it's easy to lose that. And when the American people lose their confidence, that's when the trouble really begins. We've talked a lot about the lack of trust in Washington, uh, our trust in big institutions and government, and even the trust that we've lost, the confidence that we've lost in each other. And a a pandemic like this uh, further undermines that. Because we don't, we don't, we we got to social distance. We got to physically have distance between ourselves. We're a little more skeptical of people we may interact with. Uh, we talked about this over the weekend. That uh, you know, can you help a stranger? Uh, how do you do that? What's the best way to do that? How can we uh, support and and help each other? And so I wanted to round out today uh, with a couple things that I think are are distinctly American and things that are important for each of us in maintaining our confidence in ourselves in our communities, in our state, and in our country. Uh, Adelaide Stevenson uh, said, let's talk sense to the American people. Let's tell them the truth, that there are no gains without pains, that we are now on the eve of great decisions, not easy decisions. What counts now is just not what we're against, but what we are for. Who leads us is less as important as what leads us. What convictions, what courage, what faith? Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there uh, from Adelaide Stevenson, uh, former uh, candidate for the presidency. And uh, again, I think what, what matters, it, it doesn't really matter so much who's leading. It's what's leading us. It's what are those convictions? What's the courage? What's the faith? Uh, and in the current crisis, we have to remember it's, it isn't as much about the politicians or the politics. Uh, it's about the courage. It's about the faith. It's the things that founded this country. 
and the things that we should all take heart in, that we should take courage in, that we should take confidence in. Uh, Daniel Webster uh, was one of those uh, former senators who who was great. His oratory was uh, renowned around the world. Uh, he elevated all kinds of rigorous debate in the United States Senate. Uh, and many say that his uh, his voice still echoes in those chambers in Washington, D.C. Uh, in fact, there was a, uh, a classic tale, uh, Steve, uh, Stephen Vincent uh, Benet's classic tale regarding Daniel Webster. And he described what you would likely hear if you were ever to visit Daniel Webster's grave. And, uh, in fact, he said uh, every time there's a thunderstorm around Marshall's, uh, Marshfield, which is where he was buried, they say you can hear Webster's rolling voice in the hollows of the sky. And they say if you go to his grave and speak loud and clear, the ground will begin to shiver and the trees begin to shake, not earthquake kind of shake. Uh, and after a while, you you will hear a deep voice saying, neighbor, how stands the union? That's the question that uh, Webster often asked. How stands the union? And then the tale continues. You better answer the union stands as she stood when Webster was there rock bottomed and copper sheathed one an individual or he's liable to rear right out of the ground. And so my my question to all of us uh, on days like today's in times like this is how do we ensure that the state of our union is, as Webster described, rock-bottomed, copper-sheathed, one, and individual. Well, what does that all mean? <laughs> Let's talk about rock-bottom for a minute. Uh, rock-bottom was a, a little different uh, word in those days. Uh, really was about how strong it was. And it wasn't about uh, anything that was soft or anything that was unsure. And to me, that's the, the essence of American confidence and that's what we have to live with every day. You know, there, there's plenty out there. The pundits of doom and gloom are, are all out there. And they're saying all is lost and the country is in shambles and the economy will never recover. And there's nothing but pain and suffering on ahead. Uh, this is why last week I kept saying this is not the new normal. This is the new now. If you think this is new normal and that this normal is going to perpetuate forever, sorry, you're wrong. It's just the new now and how we deal with the new now. The only thing we can deal with is the now. And so we can do this. And yeah, there are challenges for sure. It's not about uh, rose colored glasses or glasses that are half empty or half full. It's just how you view things. And, and while we can be pessimistic and we can be challenged by some of the things going on, it does not mean that we have to abandon everything. All is not lost, folks. Uh, all is just now. And so what are we going to do with the things that we can control now, today? What can we do and how are we going to do that? Uh, so we're, we're not hopelessly divided uh, despite what we see in Washington. I think people will come together. I was very heartened by Senator Lee's comment that the first people to call Senator Lee uh, after he was advised that he needed to go into isolation because of his interaction with uh, Senator Paul, who was tested positive for coronavirus. The first calls he got were from Bernie Sanders and Amy Klobuchar. That says something about uh, the people uh, that we have back there and that they can get it done. They can focus on the right thing. 
Uh, and so we've got to get past uh, just all the negativity uh, and move forward because we can get this done. Because we can do uh, really exactly what Daniel Webster challenged us to do. And we can answer the question in the right way. So I ask you the Daniel Webster question, how stands the union? How stands the union in your house? How stands the union in your community? How stands the union here in the state of Utah? And how stands the union in the United States of America? And all of us need to make sure that we can say that the union stands as she stood rock bottom, copper sheath, one and individual. That's our job. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us. Make sure today you say something that inspires, see something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference today.